Father God, we once again come to you in thanksgiving, Lord, that we are here in your house today, Lord, that we are here to praise your name, to give you glory and honor for all that you have done in our lives, Lord God. Lord, we've already heard testimony this morning, and Father, we pray that there be more testimonies coming, Lord, because Lord, you have touched every life here. Lord, you have, you have made a difference in each person here, Lord God. And Lord, we pray this morning that would be the day, Lord, that your spirit would, would stand up, Lord God, and that souls would be touched, Lord, and lives would be changed today. Father, and it's your spirit, Lord, pours out here, Lord, that it pours out across this community of Dalhart, Lord God. And there be people, Lord, in their living rooms, Lord, in their bedrooms today, Lord, that will cry you out for your name, Lord, to cry out for your presence in their lives, Lord God, for your touch. Oh, Father, Lord, if for no other reason we are here to serve you, and Lord, we serve by sharing your gospel with those around us. Oh, Father. Help our lives to reflect you. Help our lives, Lord, to show that there is a better way than the world's way. There is a better way than Satan's way, Lord God. Father, our prayers go up. Lord, we all come to you today with needs and wants, Lord. Lord, for healings of people in our families, Lord God, for special touches, Lord. And Father, we all join in unison with that, Lord God, that your hand would be on their lives. Lord God, I pray this morning... Father, I pray this morning for Angela, Lord God, as she's having this, this terrible migraine right now. Lord, I pray you take that pain from her, Father, that you would bless her. Lord God, that you would, Lord, that you would just lift that from her. Lord, I pray you be with her and you do that now. Lord, I pray for this family here, Lord. Lord, as they are here, Father God, on their knees at your altar. Lord, they're crying out to you. Father, hear their prayers. Lord, and we know from your word that the answer is already on the way. So, Father, we come to you this morning as your children. Lord, we come to you this morning as, as just coming as, as people who have nothing, Lord, and who can do nothing. But, Lord, we're coming to the one source that has everything and can do anything. Lord, be with us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. From the number of children in here today, I'd say that most of us can relate to the that thing of, of when uh, you're when someone's pregnant, you know that there's a delivery date coming, right? Right. It's not like it's going to be a surprise to you one day when she goes into labor, and in preparation for that, you you make preparation. Yeah, you, you go to the doctor and you take vitamins and and you take care of yourself and and you, you pack a bag and you've got a plan made so that when the time comes, everything is ready to go and you can get to the hospital and have the baby at the hospital and not in the car on the way or something like that. You know, because we need to be prepared. Ladies, you know, when you were pregnant, your whole life was centered around that pregnancy and, and looking forward to that day. We, our scripture this morning tells us that's exactly the way we should be looking forward to the day that Jesus returns. We should be prepared for it. We should be living our lives looking at that goal. And even though we don't know the exact day, we should be ready when it gets here. So if you open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to look at what Paul writes here. And he tells us here, there are, there are five things that we should be as we're waiting on Jesus to return. 
And there's one thing we should not be. And we'll get to that at the end. You got your Bibles open? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And we're going to look at those first 11 verses there. Okay, let's start with uh, the first thing we should be is we should be informed. Look at verses, uh, starting in verse 4. It says, But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of the light and of the day and don't belong to darkness and night. You know, if there's one thing that the people coming to this church uh, should know, and I don't care if you're just visiting or if you've been here, coming here for years, the one thing the church should be teaching you are the truths about the Bible. And the truths are, is that God created that God sent His Son Jesus to die for your sins, that your, your salvation is based on belief in Him, and He's returning one day. Those are truths in the Bible that no one can dispute. I don't care what church you go to, what signs outside the door, those are truths that every church believes. Amen. Jesus is returning. And when He comes, it will be as, as the victor. He will be coming back as the Lion of Judah. He will not be coming back as the Lamb of God. He's already played that role. His next role is to come as judge of the world. That's something that I hope that people who come to this church know. If you don't, you know it now. You have been informed. Jesus is coming and, and in His coming, we should be ready, right? Yes. Do you want to get caught off guard when He shows up? Do you, do you want to be unexpected and, and, and He shows and, and, and you have no preparation? Because folks, I'm telling you now, when He comes back, all time for preparation is over. Yeah, right. There will no longer be, when He steps foot on this earth again... People will not be able to suddenly fall on their face and, and ask Him to be their Savior. It's over. You see, we, we have to remember these things. We have to be ready. And as the church, it's our responsibility that you understand these things. As parents, it's your responsibility that your children understand these things. You know, our children grow up to be exactly what we raised them to be. And I know some of you are thinking, well, my kids are brats. I didn't raise them to be brats. Well, unfortunately, our kids grow up to be exactly how we raise them to be. You want to raise your children in Scripture? You want to raise your children in the church? You want to raise your children to be, to be good Christian people? You've got to live it. Because your kids are going to do what you do. They're not going to pay a whole lot of attention to what you say to them. And if you haven't had a teenager yet, you'll know. For those of you who aren't aware, Zach is back with his mom permanently. She got back from Africa, decided she wanted to have her, her son back. We talked about it. And uh, based on things that was going on here in Zach's life, we thought it was the best thing to go ahead and get him moved. So he's back with his mom, which I think is a good thing for him. That's one of the things. A, a kid needs to be with their mom. Amen. You know, so I think it's good that he's back with her. We miss him. It's awful quiet at the house. 
we'll get used to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were empty nesters before. We liked it. So it's a... But kids, when they get to be teenagers especially, do not put a lot of emphasis in what you say to them, but they will imitate everything you do in front of them. You see, so we have to be careful because when our kids grow up and we think, oh man, how'd they turn out so terrible? Go look in the mirror because it's our fault. We raise them. But as, as believers, it's our job to make sure they know about Jesus. As a parent, it's your job to make sure your kids know about Jesus. It's not, well, I took them to church, they should have learned. No. It's your job to make sure they know about Jesus. And you do that by living Jesus out in front of them. They need to know what grace is. They learn what grace is by you showing them grace. They need to know what love is. They learn what love is by you showing that love that God has given you to them. Kids learn by example. And we need to make sure of that. In the church of the Nazarene, we teach some basic doctrines. We teach the doctrine of the Trinity. We teach the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of sanctification, the doctrine of healing, and the doctrine of the Lord's return. We talked about this morning in class that, about doctrines and what they were. Doctrines is what we believe that God's Word is saying. Theology, the study of God, man's thoughts on what God is saying. We teach these things because they're true. And since you know that this book is truth, every word in this book is truth, if there's anything you can turn to in your Bible and say, I don't believe that to be true, you're saying the whole Bible's not true because this is an all or nothing book. You either believe every word in it or you don't believe anything in it. There's no in-betweens. It's not a buffet line where you can pick and choose what you want to believe. It's all or nothing. This book is truth. And if we believe that book to be truth, and that book says that the Lord is returning, we have to take that as a fact. And if we know He's coming, we need to be alert. In verse 6 it says, So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. And if you look back at verse 3, it says, When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. On September the 11th, 2001, the United States thought everything was good and peaceful, that no one would ever attack the United States. We got a surprise that day, didn't we? You know, the United States has only been attacked by foreign uh, countries twice. Once in Pearl Harbor and once in New York. Both times, the same situation existed and we didn't see it. Both times, there was plenty of evidence showing that an attack was intimate and we didn't pay attention to it. <clears throat> you 
Now, Peter warned the mockers in his book that, that thought that, that everything continues as it always has. Remember at the flood of Noah? Before the rain started to fall, Scripture says that everyone went about their business. They were getting married. They were having kids. They were going to work. Everything was good. And then the flood came. People today, people today think that, that well, it's been 2,000 years. Jesus isn't coming back. Everything's going to continue going just like it has. It's never going to change. The sun's going to rise every morning and life is going to go on forever. We get in that sense of security. And that's when things happen. We have to be ready. We have to be prepared. Verse 8 says, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God choose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not to pour out His anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when He returns, we can live with Him forever. Wow. I love that. Whether you're dead or alive, when Christ comes back, you live with Him forever. That is just good news. In uh, verse uh, 1 of this section, it says, For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. You know, for those that are prepared, it won't be unexpected, will it? For those who are prepared for His return, there, there is going to be a celebration because Jesus is back. Thank you, Lord. You've came back for us. For those who aren't prepared. For those who aren't prepared. All hope is over. They no longer have a choice. Their future is, is set in stone from that moment on. <clears throat> so, how do you get prepared? That'd be my question, right? If Jesus is coming back, and when He comes back, everything changes, life as we know it stops, and, and everything's different, and those who aren't ready for Him are condemned to hell, then how do I prepare myself for His return? Well, it's quite simple. The Scripture we just read tells us that we may have the hope of salvation. That God doesn't intend for us to suffer His judgment. He intends for us to accept His offer of salvation. That's the only thing you have to do to prepare yourself. Nothing else. Except Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let, let Him come. believe that, that when He came to this earth before as the Lamb of God, He came as the sacrifice for your sins, and that on that sacrifice, your sins were forgiven, you have been saved, you have been bought out of slavery from sin. All you have to do is believe that. It's one of those things that so many people think that, well, it can't be that easy, Pastor. There's got to be more... Those are the people who want to keep adding things to it. And they want to keep thinking, well, you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, and you've got to, you've got to earn what you get. You don't. It's free. 
See, this little thing, when someone forgives you for something that you don't deserve forgiveness for, the Bible's got a word for that. It's called grace. Grace. Jesus offers you grace. Jesus did something for you you could not do. You were trapped. You, you had no way out. And Jesus opened the door and took you by the hand and led you out. All you have to do is believe it. That's how you prepare yourself for His return so that when His return happens, it doesn't happen in, and then you feel surprised and you feel like all oh, hope is lost and, and I have nothing left. If you prepare yourself when He returns, you rejoice. You rejoice because you know from that moment on eternity with Jesus in heaven. Wow. That's the day I'm looking forward to. I want that day. I can't wait for that. And we talked about it a few weeks ago that when He returns, it's not going to be returning and no one knows about it and, and sudden things just start happening. When He returns, the entire world knows because there will be a trumpet blast. There will be an announcement made that the Lord is returned. And when He does, we will all meet Him in the sky. So there, there's, there's not going to be a surprise. Oh, Jesus came back last month and you missed it. The whole world's going to know He came. And the whole world that, is, that knows Him is going to be rejoicing because we're going to be with Him. The rest of the world, not so much. Because those who aren't prepared, they're going to be the ones that are going to be looking around and saying, Oh my God, all that stuff was true. There really is a God. There really is a Savior. And it's too late. It's too late. There was a great example of what grace is that happened right here on this planet in South Africa. Now... You guys have probably all heard the name, if you don't know exactly who he is, you've heard uh, the name Nelson Mandela. He spent 27 years in prison. And when he finally got out, he was elected president of South Africa. And in, instead of him getting an army together and going out and, and killing all these people that had been torturing his people all these years, instead he set up uh, uh, in the courts, he appointed Desmond Tutu, which is an archbishop, to be over the courts. And there was one rule. Anyone who had committed a crime uh, against the Africans and wanted to, to come forward in court and confront the person they had uh, committed a crime against and, and tell them what they had done, if they'd be forgiven. Well, there a, was a young officer, or wasn't young at the time, he was young when all the stuff happened. His name was uh, Vandy Broke. And he went to court, and he confessed that 18 years earlier... Him and his men had went to a house in the village and had pulled a young boy out of the house and had killed him and then put him on a fire and then slowly turned him like they were barbecuing while they made mom and dad watch. And then 
13 years later, he had came back to the same house and he had pulled the, the father out and they tied him to a stake over a fire and they put gasoline on him and burned him alive and forced his wife to watch. And he, had, he confessed to these things before the lady. And by now the lady, she was an older lady and she came, she stood up and the judge asked, said, ma'am, what, what do you want to do? And I want to get some Kleenex out. She said she wanted Vanderbroek to go to the place where they burned her husband's body and gather up the dust so she could give him a decent burial. With his head down, he nodded in agreement. Then she added a further request. Mr. Vandybroke took all my family away from me, and I still have a lot of love to give. Twice a month, I would like for him to come to the ghetto and spend a day with me so I can be a mother to him. And I want Mr. Vandy Broke to know that he is forgiven by God and that I forgive him too. I would like to embrace him to show him my forgiveness is real. About that time, the courtroom broke out singing Amazing Grace. As the elderly woman made her way to the witness stand to hug him, he had passed out because he was overwhelmed by the grace that he had received. That's what grace is, folks. That's grace. That's a real life human giving grace. And God is so much greater than us, so can you imagine the grace that He gives? No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've thought, no matter what you've imagined, it doesn't matter. God's grace forgives it all. That's the God that we serve. A God that is filled with grace. Justice was not done in South Africa that day, but something far beyond justice took place. Grace. The old woman took all the pain of losing her son and her husband. She absorbed it. And she returned grace. Jesus did that for you. Jesus took all the hurt for you. He took all the pain for you. He took death for you. And he absorbed it. And he returns grace. Once you've got all that down, there's one other thing that you can be need to be excited verse 11 says so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing be excited a lot of times when we talk about death and we talk about about resurrection we talk about jesus return people treat it like this is something you tell kids to keep them in bed at night so they don't get out the monster under the bed but we are supposed to be taking this story of Jesus' return and of the grace that He's offering and we're supposed to be excited about it because we are going to be with Him. Amen. And through our excitement, through our passion, through our love, 
other people will want to be part of that. That's what we're supposed to be. Those lighthouses in a dark place. Attracting those people who don't know Jesus. Disproving those people who say there is no God. Disproving them by showing them love and grace. A rural housewife wrote a poem about 70 years ago. And she wrote these lines on her need and expectancy of God's presence. So listen and see if this doesn't fit right into our our lives today. Sometimes when everything goes wrong, when days are short and nights are long, when wash day brings so dull a sky that not a single thing will dry, when friends deplore my faded youth and when the baby cuts a tooth, while John, the baby, last but one, clings around my skirt till day is done, and fat, good-natured Jane is glum, and butcher's man forgets to come, sometimes I say, on days like these, I get a sudden gleam of bliss. Not on some sunny day of ease, he'll come back on a day like this. God's not going to pick that day when you're on a mountaintop high having a good time to show up. He's going to come back on a day when you're in a valley so low and dark you can't see the light. He's going to come back when your world seems to be falling apart. He's going to come back on a normal day. And we have to be ready. We have to be ready. So let me encourage you this morning. He may come back on a day just like this. We don't know. You know, even in, in when Paul and Peter were alive and writing these letters, they were expecting him to return any day. That means there is nothing else that has to happen for Jesus to return except for him to return. We need to be ready. We, we need to be informed that he's coming. We need to be ready for that becoming. We need to be alert. We need to be prepared and we need to be excited. But there's one thing that we don't need to be. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when it happens. Don't be surprised if you find yourself left behind. Because only you know. Your relationship with God is you and Him. No one else knows. I can't point to any one of you and tell you you're definitely going to heaven or going to hell. But God knows. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Scripture says that you'll know that you know that you know. And when you know these things, you'll have life and you'll have it abundantly. This morning, if you don't know that, if you're not sure of that, if you're not so confident in that that you would say, if he returned this minute, I'd be with him in heaven. Then you need to come to the altar and you need to pray. You need to get right with the Lord. Because that's the relationship you need with him. It doesn't matter what kind of relationship your mom had or your dad or your grandma. It doesn't matter. There's no sons and daughters. There's no moms and dads. There's no grandchildren. In God's book of life, we're all brothers and sisters. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
Nothing else will work. Nothing else will come close. So as we stand this morning, if you would just stand and, and shut your eyes for a moment and just ask yourself this morning, right now, if Jesus returned right now, do I know without a doubt that I'd meet him in the sky? Because if you can't say definite yes to that, you need to come to the altar this morning. The altar is open. We'll leave it for a few, for a minute or so, and then we'll have final prayer. And folks, I don't normally talk the doom and gloom and, and all this, but this is one of those things that is so serious. If you don't know Jesus, eternity in hell versus a couple of minutes at the altar to get to know him. Lord God, we come to you this morning. Lord, we come to you as, as, as formless lumps of clay. Shape us today, Lord. Shape our hearts, Lord. Lord, bring us, bring us in, into that relationship with you, Lord God. Let your Holy Spirit be poured out today, Lord God, and touch our hearts, Lord God. Oh, Father, I cry out to you, Father, as there's people's lives are at stake, Lord. Their eternities are at stake this morning, Lord God. Let them see the clarity. Lord, let your spirit reach down and touch their hearts. Convict them, Lord. Because, Lord, the story of your return is not some story for children. Lord, it's a statement of fact. The only thing we don't know is the day and time, but we know it's coming. Help us, Lord. Help us this morning. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen.